I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. They say life is stranger than fiction. It's a really interesting thing. It's about five times stronger than steel, but it's lighter than fiberglass. So yeah, it's getting pretty close to that Mandalorian iron. But sometimes what we see in movies or read in books is so incredible that it obviously couldn't be possible. Or could it? You are going to be badly bruised. It's still going to hurt. You're not going to be completely protected and uninjured. I'd rather have a bruise than a big hole in my chest. exactly. Welcome to Sci-Fi Sci-Fact with me, Brian Crump. Every week a scientist from New Zealand's McDiamond Institute explains the facts behind the fiction. In this episode we welcome Dr Catherine Whitby, Senior Lecturer in Chemistry at Massey University, and McDiamond Institute Associate Investigator to talk about Mandalorian, the super light yet super strong material from Star Wars and its equivalent in um, this galaxy uh, a little bit closer to home. Boba, is your father here? Yep. May we see him? Sure. Jake, welcome back. Was your trip productive? Fairly. This is Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's come to check on our progress. Your clones are very impressive. You must be very proud. I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. Mandalorian is iron. It's, It's meant to be a metal that's extremely durable and versatile. You can only find it on one planet, the Star Wars galaxy, funnily enough called Mandalore. And the beauty of it is that it can be shaped into all sorts of pieces that make it useful for armor. So as well as that helmet that Boba Fett is wearing, he's also got um, a cool jetpack. He's also wearing a vest and other bits of armor and clothes that protect him from things like um, a blaster shot being fired at him. They'll even protect him from a glancing blow of a lightsaber. So it's amazingly cool kind of gear to be wearing if you're a bounty hunter like Boba Fett. And one of the advantages is it's so light, isn't it? I mean, it wouldn't be so special if it wasn't for the fact that it's super light, right? That's right. I mean, you could imagine... 
you could wear, say, concrete and that might well, or something as heavy as that, and that might protect you from a blaster shot, but you're not going to get very far wearing a suit of concrete. So the beauty of this armour is it is so strong and protective, but at the same time is light, just like you said, so that you can run and jump and make your next move in the fight. What's the closest to this in our world? As well, opposed to it, the galaxy a long time ago, far, far away. <laughs> well, in our world, we don't quite have something quite as exciting as Mandalorian iron, but we're getting close to it. So these days, our bounty hunters, our soldiers in our armies and our police, they wear um, special vests and armour um, that's made not of metal, but of a polymer called Kevlar. And this special polymer can be woven into fibres that make vests and the other pieces of armour that behave a lot like armour made from Mandalorian iron. Polymers are, are things we've talked about. They come up a lot in materials fact or fiction, so they're obviously very useful things, polymers. But you just have to remind me again of what a polymer is. A polymer, at its simplest, is made up of lots of repeating units of the same molecule. So it can be in the, poly the sorts of polymers that we're thinking of are made of carbon atoms that are thousands and tens of thousands of atoms long. So they're a big, long, floppy molecule. And you can make them up of all sorts of building blocks. And you can you can give them all sorts of chemical functions because of the way that you can vary their structure. So that's why you encounter or hear about polymers a lot. It's because of this incredible versatility of this structure. The fact also that they're so long and floppy means that we can arrange them together in very different ways than, for example, we can arrange water molecules, which are much tinier molecule. So polymers, for example, you um, lots of pieces in your car would be made of different polymers. We have polymer coatings on some saucepans, things like Teflon. Um, some of the clothes that we would wear are made of polymers. All sorts of things, all sorts of materials um, with different shapes can be made from polymer. It's, it's another reason of the versatility and usefulness of this molecule. So Stephanie Kwalik, back in 65, she was working for, was it DuPont? And she found... That's right. Kevlar, did she discover yes. it or did she create it? She discovered it. So she was investigating lots of different polymer fi fibres. She'd been given a mission by DuPont. They wanted to make the next generation of polymer fibres that they could sell. And she had a family of different polymer molecules that she was investigating. Kevlar was one of that family. And she discovered by accident that when she made fibres from solutions of this particular polymer molecule, that they formed incredibly strong fibres. And it was Stephanie who realised the potential advantages of these fibres. How do you make a fibre out of a polymer? Right. It's a really interesting thing. You've got to take these polymer molecules and get them to assemble into a structure that's long and thin, because that's what a polymer is in its solid form. The way that we do this is, first of all, you have to dissolve the polymer 
up into a solution or up into a solvent to make a solution that you can squirt through a nozzle. When you squirt the solution through a nozzle, you squirt it into a different solvent that the polymer doesn't like. So it starts to precipitate out. But because it's coming out of the nozzle in this thin long stream, when it precipitates out, it forms a thin long solid fiber. And that's how you make a fiber. We call it spinning fibers out of polymer. It does sound a little bit like what a spider does when it's spinning a web. Exactly. In fact, the silk polymer falls into this same category of polymers. So there are natural fibers that are very similar. We are, in fact, in many ways, often copying what we find in nature when we make new polymeric structures and investigate their behavior. And th these kinds of, this family of polymers is often referred to as the polyaramid um, molecules or family. In um, it, to indicate its relationship and similarity to silk fibres. How strong is Kevlar? If it's up there with Mandalorian, it must be extremely strong and also quite light. Mm, it is. So it's about five times stronger than steel, um, but it's lighter than fibreglass. So yeah, it's getting pretty close to that Mandalorian iron that we were admiring before. Why is it so strong yet so light? It's to do with the way the molecules organize inside that fiber. So if you remember, I said that the, the molecules are made of these six-membered rings that are connected by oxygens and nitrogens. This is part of the key because there are also some hydrogens there. Oxygen and nitrogen, though, these atoms do a really good job of hanging on to electrons. Hydrogen, not so much. So in between those rings, you have some hydrogens that are a little bit positively charged and some oxygens and nitrogens that are a little bit more negatively charged. And if another polymer molecule comes close, they can form these special bonds between those molecules that we call hydrogen bonds. You can imagine... Uh, for example, you have a chain of those six rings and then imagine bringing another chain alongside it. Now, if you could kind of have links between those chains that sort of hold them in place in the right position, that will help you um, wrap those molecules into a nice strong fibre. So it's that hydrogen bonding helps with the alignment between those molecules so that when those molecules precipitate, they form a really densely aligned fiber that's really strong. It also helps that those rings are very nice and planar. So they can, you can imagine them just like a, a flat hexagon and you can pile those hexagons one on top of each other. So they stack together very easily. And that again helps those molecules to pack together beautifully when it's forming those fibers. And it's that, all those interconnections, that beautiful stacking that helps make that structure really strong. If you think about steel instead, what's steel? Well, it's, a, it's an alloy, so that's just a mixture of atoms. It's got lots of iron atoms, which assemble into a crystalline structure, but that structure is much easier to kind of dislocate. And so we have to add in a little bit of carbon to kind of prevent 
the atoms from moving away or around each other from too much um, to harden and strengthen it up to make it as strong as steel. Well, in Kevlar, that's just made up of lots of these huge long molecules, which are beautifully stacked and aligned together and held together by these intermolecular forces. So it's really hard um, to move those molecules around too much once you've formed that shape that you want to make um, to make your um, body armour. Now, I'm guessing when DuPont found out that they had a fibre which was five times stronger than steel but lighter than fibreglass, they didn't just keep it in the lab. They must have used it for stuff. Okay, so um, a big function that they've been super interested in, of course, is to make these Kevlar vests um, for uh, obviously for soldiers and um other kinds of applications. But there are other situations as well, uh, say protective wear and the like, where people can be um, using clothing made of Kevlar. And uh, for example, it's because of its lightness, it's also used um, in applications where you need something that's strong, but incredibly light. So for example, things like aeroplane parts, we want our aeroplanes to be made of strong materials, but they need to be relatively light so we can get them up um, off, into the off the ground and up into the air. Um, so chances are also if you've driven over a suspension bridge, um, things like fiber optic cables, they may well contain some Kevlar in them as well to reinforce them while at the same time keeping these materials light. If somebody shot me at point blank range mm -hmm. with a bullet and I was wearing a Kevlar vest, two questions. One, would it protect me? Yes. So okay. if it's a bullet shot at you, because the way we take those fibres and we weave them into a material to make your vest. Now, when that bullet that somebody's um, shot you hits that vest, what happens is those fibres are so stiff that it kind of spreads out the impact. So if you didn't have that vest on, that bullet would kind of bore a hole into you, wouldn't it? Well, mm. instead, when it the bullet hits that vest, it spreads out the impact, the energy of that collision over a much wider area. Um, kind of a bit like, you know how you're um, in a car, those um, safety pillows that come out of the steering wheel uh, fire up, they kind yeah. of spread luckily, the impact. Luckily, I haven't seen any of them yet in action yet, but I think I know what oh, you thank mean. Thank goodness. Yes, yep. thank goodness. Um, so it spreads out the impact um, and does the really good job of dissipating that energy across the vest. So the bullet can't punch a hole in you. Now, having said that, that energy, although it's being dissipated across the vest, you are going to be badly bruised yeah, it's still because hurt. You're, we're spreading out and it's still going to hurt. Right. You're not going to be completely protected and uninjured. So this is where we haven't quite made something as good as Mandalorian iron. I'd rather have a bruise than a big yes, hole in my chest. exactly. <laughs> That's right. Yes. So no, they do do a good job with bullets. But not everything? What won't a bulletproof vest no. protect me against? Well, let's say instead of a handgun, your assailant had a high-caliber rifle. Or maybe they got one step further and set off a bomb near you. Now, 
Kevlar vests, as good as they are, won't essentially protect you from being shot by a high-caliber rifle, or and they won't protect you from the shrapnel from a bomb explosion. Stuff that's going at a greater speed or has a sharper point of entry is still going to get through the Kevlar. That's right. It's still going to do you damage. It's still going to get through it, yeah. To stop it, what we would need to do is to coat that vest with a ceramic layer. So that's kind of like a layer of pottery or something, which is great. It's going to give you more protection against something with greater momentum. But as you can imagine, that makes the vest much heavier and it's much harder for you to move around in that vest as well. So you lose some of the advantages that we had with Kevlar because we have to apply these even stiffer and heavier coatings to them to protect you against these higher powered um, shrapnel and bullets. And then we start to lose all those things that Mandalorian Iron has in Star Wars, which make it so useful for Boba Fett and his mates. That's right, yes. So we, we've still got something that's really strong, but it's no longer light and flexible. So it's definitely no longer performing in the same way that uh, Mandalorian iron is. So it only works, Kevlar vests work well, providing you make sure your assailant has um, just a handgun. If you can't be as picky as that, then you might be in trouble. It's interesting that polymers made up of carbon are more likely to emulate an iron from Star Wars than a metal itself, right? Yes. It's really interesting. It tells us something about um, the particularly unusual bonding um, in these polymers, the fact that you've got lots of atoms, particular carbon atoms, connected together via covalent bonds. And covalent bonds are very, very strong. And that in combination with these extra forces that can hold molecules together gives us an un, a material that's unusually strong, that's actually in some situations stronger than steel. Could you make a helmet out of Kevlar? You could indeed, yes. So you'd have to weave those fibres together in a particular way to make something as, as stiff that's going to shape around your head. But yes, you can indeed um, have helmets made of Kevlar. Okay, so we've got to a point where actually the fact isn't too far off the fiction. But there's one thing, I'm going that's right. straight back to fantasy here. And I don't know if you can answer mm -hmm. this. It depends on how much of a Star Wars fan you are. <laughs> but Mandalorian Iron Helmet or Armor versus Lightsaber, which wins? Oh, if it's a glancing blow of a lightsaber, you're okay. So I guess that means that, you know, if it's just hits you on its edge or something, you're going to be okay. If it's a full frontal blow, I think you might still be in a bit of trouble. In other words, Boba Fett versus Darth Vader, although they never had a fight as far as I remember, he mm. wouldn't stand a chance. Darth would win, eh? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sci-Fi Sci-Fact with me, Brian Crump. And thanks to our brilliant friends at the McDiamond Institute. Sci-Fi Sci-Fact is available on the RNZ website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. There are plenty of other RNZ podcasts to listen out for too, 
like the award-winning Black Sheep. And you can catch more of me every weeknight on RNZ National. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies. I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is... Another mask. <laughs> you can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.